Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. From the heart of the Carolinas, a voice in the wilderness, a thought-provoking broadcast in a world of ignorant nonsense. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And Vince Coakley, normally heard at this time, will return, but today, and today only unless I'm informed otherwise, you've got the proud High Point native... Still optimistic NC State alum, despite that humble pie heartburn I have that carried over from last night, uh, and former Channel 4 Greenville sports anchor J.D. Hayworth, uh, oh yeah, and also a recovering congressman who served the great state of Arizona. And I'm so pleased again to be with you in a radio homecoming, the Carolinas Combo Cast. Not only WBT Charlotte, but WORD Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, and Mercy. The word is down south, that signal's going to grow and uh, relocate, but they can tell you all about that. Number to call, 1-800-928-1110. Plenty to talk about, but let's begin with one feature of Congress that you may not really understand and your 21st century American lifestyle may have led you to overlook oversight. Perhaps you vaguely recall its mention during an American government class sometime in your educational past, but thankfully our founders did not overlook it. They stated clearly in Article 1, Section 1 of our Constitution that all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States. Virginia's George Mason made a compelling case for oversight of the Constitutional Convention, where he stated that federal lawmakers, quote, are not only legislators, but they possess inquisitorial powers. They must meet frequently to inspect the conduct of the public offices. Sadly, in the here and now, the conduct of some federal legislators leads casual observers to mistake congressional oversight hearings as a venue for partisan playground palaver. They fully expect one side to shout, DOTS! And the other side is expected to immediately counter, uh, no, stripes. Still other congressional hearings serve as a cure for insomnia. So deep is the dive into the technocratic that it defies description as either Republican or Democratic. Dwight Eisenhower decried such stultifying detail as sophisticated nonsense. My old friend and erstwhile opponent, John McCain, joked of MIGO, the acronym for My Eyes Glaze Over. And yet, and yet there are congressional hearings that compel Americans to sit up and listen. The last day of February brought a first-rate example of such an inquiry as Rebecca Kiesling testified before the House Homeland Security Committee. Though trained as an attorney, she was testifying as a mother having lost her two sons to fentanyl in July of 2020. Her emotional testimony served as a powerful indictment of the federal government's largely ineffective response to the illicit importation of the powerful poisonous drug. Listen to cut one. had Chinese troops lining up along our southern border with weapons aimed at our people, with weapons of mass destruction aimed at our cities, you damn well know you would do something about it. We have a weather balloon from China going across our country. Nobody died, and everybody's freaking out about it. But 100,000 
die every year and nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year are having their children. Two hundred thousand, because it's both parents, right? Are having their children taken away from them. This should not be politicized. It's not about race. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. But in Washington, D.C., where politics is the principal profession and where the next political race is always the most important, elected officials did not hesitate to politicize a tearful mother's testimony. The following day, during a political field trip to nearby Baltimore, where he spoke to the House Democrat Caucus Issues Conference at an event commonly known as a congressional retreat, our politician-in-chief tried to advance the notion that he was victimized by Rebecca Kiesling's testimony. Joe Biden stood before his fellow Democrats wearing the half-grin of the cognitively challenged that he always displays when he's about to let us in on a little secret, which he thinks only he understands. You see, old Joe mistakenly thought he could invoke the name of Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican of Georgia, and use her as a rhetorical shield for his own response to the heartfelt testimony of a grieving mother. Listen to the president cut two. She, she was very specific recently saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> Did you hear that? Joe Biden laughed. Even worse was the social media response of a Biden backer from Portland, Oregon. Matthew Slavin, Ph.D., must have picked up his advanced degree in cruelty and profanity. Uh, get ready, because the not-so-good doctor posted the following to Rebecca Kiesling on the website LinkedIn. Quoting now, You ignorant trollop, how dare you try to score some cheap points for the traitorously Criminal syndicate, criminal syndicate called the Republicans by holding your dead sons up in vain. It was Trump's fentanyl. Stupid C-word. You should go shoot yourself. Don't expect criticism of either Biden or his profane supporter in Portland from the Washington Press Corps most of these journalists will keep their powder dry until they can lecture conservatives over some intemperate remark from the right. Unfortunately, the oversight function also afforded the Fourth Estate by the First Amendment has transmogrified into an oft-deliberate distortion of conservative beliefs. The public sins of the left are over overlooked, often overlooked by a partisan press. But increasing numbers of Americans are not forgetting or forgiving them. And as it turns out, a few journalists are finally wising up too. Evidence of that from yet another congressional hearing. When we come back, we're just underway. It's J.D. Hayworth for Vince Coakley on the Carolina Simulcast. Don't you go away. One eight hundred nine two eight eleven ten. The toll-free number to call from any place, whether Metro Lina, Charlotte, vicinity, or down eighty-five in the upstate of South Carolina. Oh mercy! Next hour. Well, you can see it in a couple of newspapers. Uh, the Charlotte Disturber. No sadness, no anger, but UNC basketball awash in resignation at the inevitable end. Meantime, down 85 in Greenville, the Greenville News, and this headline just kills me. But it's accurate.
Clemson basketball dominates NC State at ACC tournament. Heck, Clemson basketball dominated my Wolfpack in all three of their meetings this year. More on that next hour. Still to come this hour. North Carolina's senior senator weighs in on the cable news wars employing one of CNN's favorite little profane terms to uh, toe the company line. That is coming up. You and I began this program with a discussion of a congressional oversight hearing the House Homeland Security Committee, Joe Biden's cruel reaction laughing an even more cruel reaction from a PhD way out in the People's Republic of Portland. An obscene reaction. Oh sure, we have a First Amendment. But is no less a liberal than the late Fred Friendly, former president of CBS News who then went to work for the Ford Foundation just because you have the right to say something doesn't make it right. And very curious, I alluded before the break to the fact that some journalists are smartening up to what is not liberalism, but a kind of leftist Marxism. Gosh, the book was written years ago by young Mr. Greenberg, uh, Liberal Fascism. But there's nothing liberal about it. Yesterday, a hearing on the House side, the Judiciary Committee, journalist Michael Michael Schnellenberger, this is his opening statement, so he was trying to get it in in time. He's a little staccato with this, but uh, I think you can get the gist of what's going on. He is saying what has been going on involving the left, big tech, and big government, with apologies to Ike, could be called a censorship industrial complex. This is cut three. The censorship industrial complex combines established methods of psychological manipulation, some developed by the U.S. military during the global war on terror, with highly sophisticated tools from computer science, including artificial intelligence. The complex's leaders are driven by the fear that the internet and social media platforms empower populist, alternative, and fringe personalities and views which they regard as destabilizing. Federal government officials, agencies, and contractors have gone from fighting ISIS recruiters and Russian bots to censoring and deplatforming ordinary Americans and disfavored public figures. Importantly, the bar for bringing in military-grade government monitoring and speech-countering techniques has moved from, quote, countering terrorism to, quote, countering extremism to countering simple misinformation, otherwise known as being wrong on the Internet. Think about that, being wrong on the Internet. Having a different opinion. Obama and his minions, the O'Biden crowd, if you will, If you disagree with us, you're engaging in misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. Another journalist, Matt Taibbi, not one of my favorites, big time lefty, but at least he's a classic liberal. And he points out what's going on at the same hearing. This is cut four. A traditional ACLU liberal, this mechanism for punishment and deprivation without due process is horrifying. Another troubling aspect is the role of the press, which should be the people's last line of defense in such cases. But instead of investigating these groups, journalists partnered with them. If Twitter declined to remove an account right away, government agencies and NGOs would call reporters for the New York Times, Washington Post, and other outlets, who in turn would call Twitter, demanding to know why action had not yet been taken. Effectively, news media became an arm of a state-sponsored thought policing system. Now, if, look, we always have known that the, quote, mainstream media leans to the left. But the fourth estate has basically become a fifth column for the Democrat Marxists. And for those of you who are hanging on in the Democrat party, my daddy was a Democrat, I'm a a Roy Cooper, I'm a Jim Hunt Democrat. It ain't... (laughs) It's not the same party. To prove that, right on cue, Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz 
attacks Matt Taibbi for accepting the GOP's invitation to testify. You got to hear this. Cut five. Mr. Taibbi, I, I want to ask about journalistic ethics and information sources. The Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics asserts that journalists should avoid political activities that can compromise integrity or credibility. Being a Republican witness today certainly casts a cloud over your ob objectivity. But it deeper concern that I have relates to the ethics of how journalists receive and present certain information. Journalists should avoid accepting spoon-fed, cherry-picked information if it's likely to be slanted, incomplete, or designed to reach a foregone, easily disputed, or invalid conclusion. Oh, <laughs> hold on, Debbie. Look, I, how, how can I best say this? Debbie and her pals have leaked so much to Democrat reporters, she ought to be wearing Depends. But all these leaks help keep her dry and untouched. Do you remember when she hired the Pakistanis who were committing fraud? Not only on her internet site, but committee sites run by the Democrats in the House of Representatives. Boy, she walked away from that. And I'll give you a, a real-life anecdote involving your not-so-humble guest host. My first re-elect was a tough one. Al Gore sent one of his trusted lieutenants out to Arizona. And the guy lives here now. I nicknamed him Smarmy the Talking Weasel because he was. Uh, Boss Sweeney, who was then running the AFL-CIO, spent $3.8 million in 1996 money trying to uh, get me unseated. And uh, it, it was just fascinating to go through that. Well, the, uh, the desert version of the Charlotte Disturber, the Arizona Repugnant, uh, had us into the editorial board. They used to interview us separately until they wanted to start picking on me. Another story later on. Anyway, they asked my opponent, what about this huge spending by organized labor? And my opponent gets nervous and goes, ha, ha, imagine that, <laughs> all that money in some little rinky-dink congressional district in Arizona trying to, to shift the spotlight. Well, the political reporter accurately quoted the guy. That guy and his campaign manager jumped down the guy's throat. Don't you know you're on our side? But the guy willfully was blinded and transcribed that Less than 12 hours later, I had a commercial on, and I hung on to the seat. Does When we come back, does Tom Tillis really want to hang on to a seat in the Senate? I've got that story in Cussin' Tom, next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Vince Coakley radio program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing talk line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line at 71307. Now back to Vince. Well, in this case, uh, back to... Ex-Channel 4 sports anchor J.D. Hayworth, High Point native, proud NC State alum, despite the unpleasantness last night at the ACC tournament. Boy, both my Tar Heel buddies and my fellow Wolfpackers having to feast on humble pie all day. Oh, mercy. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about them Tiger Hoopsters next hour. Also next hour, the, the Charlotte Disturber goes fox hunting and uh, mercy can't the biden folks retain any sovereignty uh what they've got planned with who not what but who the world health organization and how you can fight it that's next hour Right now, I asked the question before the break. I mean, I know Lindsey Graham, and I told you this, whether uh, Mr. Trump was reelected or not. Lindsey talks a good game, then he runs over. What did he do? He got on an amnesty bill just as quick as he could. 
But we know that, that Lindsay learned his, uh, his craft from the late John McCain, not here to throw brickbats at the departed, but that was John's M.O. So he could you know, be a Republican that most of the press and the Democrats would like and get on TV. Uh, now, Tom Tillis apparently is following that. He's doing it a little bit differently. He's not so much a McCainiac a Republican as much as he is a, um, well, I guess if he's one of those George W. kind of open borders, comprehensive immigration reform, amnesty kind of guys. And Tom's feeling his oats. I mean, he got, he got reelected because old Cal Cunningham uh, had a Bill Clinton problem that uh, nailed him, so to speak. And so maybe Tom is going to pack it in. There's some rumors he wants to run for governor. Oh, man, perish the thought. T-H-O-M, the H stands for, have you written a check to my campaign? And old Tom Tillis shows what side the bread is buttered on for him, not only with his voting record, not only with his new amnesty bill he's working, that I'm sure uh, only a Republican like Lindsey Graham or maybe George W. Bush could love, but he shows up on CNN. CNN is looking to go after Fox because Tucker Carlson and his staff got access to what turned out to be over 40,000 hours of closed circuit video from January 6th, 2021. And so the CNN reporter comes up to Tom Tillis and Tom opens with a barnyard profanity this is cut six i think it's i was here i was down there and i saw maybe a few tourists a few people who got caught up in things but when you see police barricades breached when you see police officers assaulted i just don't think it's helpful well what is not helpful? and let's 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 give tom uh, going to be fair CNN heavily edited what he had to say, and he, there was another interview that uh, the NBC affiliate in Charlotte, CNC, had, where he's talking about, you know, it wasn't good back in 2020 when them rioters were called peaceful protesters. I'll grant him that. But I tell you what, no, I was not there January 6th, Tom. I was there September 11th. I served in the House, and you can open... On the majority side, you can open the leader's desk, and in the uh, in the drawer you can pull out on that big long desk on the Republican side. There's a bullet hole. You know what that was from? The attack inside the House chamber by Puerto Rican nationalists, circa 1954. Five, count them, five members of Congress were wounded. But what we heard for so for the last two years, this this insurrection, the worst attack on America since the Civil War. Look, I understand hyperbole, but even Tom Tillis has to know the capital structure. This will be an imperfect analogy, but maybe it holds up in your mind. This this is the way I think of it. The capital. I'll use a high point reference and see if, see if the high pointers will understand. The Capitol is kind of like my old high school, High Point Central, a big place. The White House, though a very desirable address in terms of size, uh, is smaller, somewhere between Tomlinson Elementary School and Ferndale Middle School. An imperfect analogy, but what I'm trying to tell you is the Capitol is a huge place. There were all sorts of people there. Yes, there were malcontents and misfits and some mental patients. There were also, and we heard this from the FBI, federal agents there. You saw the video that Tucker had the other night. Available to the January 6th committee. Oh, no, we're, we're, we're going to do our own story. We're going to hire the old Good Morning America producer. He's one of us. He'll put it together the way we want it. They basically tried to have a campaign commercial. Uh, listen to the same CNN reporter who uh, Tom Tillis was talking to. Tom got a kick out of cussing in front of. Uh, 
confronted Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Listen to the CNN reporter stating his CNN-specific opinion as fact in answer asking a question to the Speaker of the House. This is cut 7A. Do you regret giving him this footage so he could whitewash the events of that day? No. Um, I, I said at the very beginning, transparency. And so what I wanted to produce for everybody is exactly what I said, that people could actually look at it. Yeah, the idea is you can look at the tape, but you hear the guy, uh, whitewash. Then later, Speaker McCarthy actually points out the January 6th committee put together video. They did not ask the Capitol Police or anybody else about security-sensitive areas showed in that video. Listen to Cut 8. An interesting thing the Capitol Police told us when we went through this is that January 6th never asked them about that, the security. So... That's why they showed, unfortunately, President, uh, Vice President Pence when he was uh, being escorted out. They used my office on the escort of where he went out. They never asked the Capitol Police if that's showing security clearance that they shouldn't, which they didn't. They didn't ask me as well. See, what, what Tucker's crowd did, what Kevin McCarthy did, was go to the Capitol Police first, which is sensitive. They, they eliminated one scene. Oh, by the way. The tape that Tucker had now, it's going to be available to everybody. So there it goes. That demolishes the Democrat argument. Oh, they're going to show sensitive stuff. Now the Dems are trying to cover up their blatantly political act. Coming back with more, it's J.D. for Vince. Toll free from any place, 1-800-928-1110. Recovering Congressman, proud High Point native, NC State grad, and former Channel 4 Greenville sports anchor, J.D. Hayworth behind the mic for Vince today. Next hour, uh, basketball. <laughs> also next hour, man. You remember the the hippies used to have the bumper sticker like "Think globally, act locally." I guess to be fair, it's a it's a variation on the Jeffersonian notion that the government which governs well, Jefferson had the government which governs least governs best, but also the government closest to you can govern best. Therein lies the concept of federalism, which is a two-way street. Save all that for next hour, explaining what who is up to. That's right, what who wants to do and how you can stop it. Also next hour, presidential talk. Ron DeSantis, will he or won't he? An update on what the Florida governor is saying privately plus the not-so-secret strategy to stop Trump. And no, it ain't exclusively Republican, but it is positively swampy. All of that next hour. Speaking of the swamp, my old press secretary, Larry Van Hoos, rest his soul, I called him the Kentucky Polecat. His niece, Myra Van Hoos, was some kind of golfer played on the LPGA Tour, I remember during my days as a sportscaster, watching Myra Van Hoos play. Larry was a great writer, a great wit. You ask him, hey, Larry, what's, what's the best club in your golf bag? He'd go, my pencil, <clears throat> making up the score. Uh, but Larry also said this uh, <laughs> from, those, from those old remote uh, towns, way up out in the woods in the hollers. In fact, he used the other term for that line. Whenever the left would start squawking because I had popped him and the hometown newspapers would sympathize with the lefties, old Larry would say, hey, Congressman, don't you know a hit dog hollers? You're right on target. That's why we just heard that CNN reporter asking Speaker McCarthy, how do you feel helping uh, Tucker Carlson whitewash what happened on January 6th? And maybe you saw, uh, I used to call him Chuckles, Chuck Schumer, back when we would be in the House gym. Senators would come over there, too, till they got their fancy place built a while back. 
But Chuckles would be in the gym. Chuckles wasn't chuckling the other day. He was shouting on the Senate floor how Fox News ought to get rid of Tucker Carlson. A hit dog hollers. There were reports that Rupert Murdoch and the Murdoch family leaned on Carlson to change some of his reporting. But uh, Brett Hume, the senior commentator at Fox News, uh, has this analysis of what Tucker did and why had uh, the House played by the rules, so to speak, the Democrats wouldn't be uh, bitten in their donkey derrieres. This is 7B. The Republicans didn't really have a say on that committee, uh, and no one on that committee did any serious cross-examination, nor did the member, uh, any members of that committee insist on the videotape that we've been seeing from Tucker Carlson be aired as part of what the committee was doing. Uh, Tucker was able to construct an entirely different uh, narrative from that which was, was presented by the committee. Uh, all of this would have been unnecessary if we'd had a normally composed, properly balanced, uh, committee on January 6th. Uh, the opportunity would have been there to present the video that Tucker used as well as what the members, the other members of the committee wanted to use and this all would have been over and over and done and behind us. Yeah, it would have been, but Brett uh, is making a valid point, but understand with the Dems, it ain't ever public policy. It's always and forever politics and power. There was no way they were going to give up Two years of an issue claiming that Republicans and uh, the 45th president were all into violence. There was no way in H-E double hockey sticks they were going to move away from that. And so they kept it as their theme. Crybaby Adam Kinzinger, one of two renegade Republicans happy to eat the uh, Republican rat poison, that Nancy Pelosi put out, you know, you, you heard Brett mention this in passing. Let me stress this again from my own experience in Republican leadership. When I first got to the House, part of that historic majority makers class of 94, I was elected to leadership along with Zach Womp of Tennessee and Jerry Weller of Illinois. We were the freshman representatives to Republican leadership. Uh, first time I really got to work with Newt and the guys was on uh, that steering and policy committee that in the old days was called the Committee on Committees. Our class, and we went in, and I remember talking to, to Bill Archer. He didn't want any newcomers on Ways and Means. I said, hey, Bill, you wouldn't be chairman if we didn't get elected. We got three of our colleagues on Ways and Means. We got, what, seven of our colleagues on the Appropriations Committee, we got eight, count them, eight, on, uh, on uh, government reform and oversight. My point is this, the parties have a right, each party has a right to name their folks on the committee. Oh mercy, I'm running late, it's JD for Vince. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. From the heart of the Carolinas, bringing the day's events into focus with the lens of liberty, this is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And this is not... Vince Coakley. Nope, only in America could a guy grow up in High Point, North Carolina, be recruited as right tackle, but end up left out at NC State, get hired as the sports anchor in Greenville, South Carolina, and then following a TV trajectory similar to baseball from Raleigh, Durham to Greenville, Spartanburg, Asheville to Cincinnati. And then a scant 35 years ago to Phoenix, where seven years following, I was elected to the Congress of the United States. Yes, recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth behind the mic. My apologies. Uh, no, I was not elected to the Senate. But before the last break, the last break was somewhat delayed because I was waxing nostalgic. Here was the point I was trying to make. Even when my party took over the House for the first time in 40 years, 
the first time in my lifetime, because I was elected back in 1994 at the callow age of 36, we worked with the Democrats, even though they were mad about being the minority. Now, the way I scored a leadership thing, along with my pals uh, Zach Womp and Jerry Weller, we ran as a team and we said, guys, we're not looking for exclusive committee assignments, at least not this term. We're going to get you guys on there. So we got three of our freshmen on Ways and Means, uh, seven on Appropriations, and eight on the Commerce Committee. We're in there getting things set up, and the committee ratios, when you're the majority, uh, you have more members of a committee. Then Dick Gephardt, the Democrat leader, calls Newt, and he says, hey, you know, we've got some, we've got our, they had like a baker's dozen Democrat freshmen that year, 13 folks. They said, you know, could you loosen up, or could some of your guys take seats on three committees, so given the ratio all of our 13 members can have two committee assignments. And so that's why I was on uh, Resources. Interesting story about how I saved the name of that committee, even before being sworn in. So I served on Resources, Banking and Financial Services, and the Veterans Committee. My first term in office, it was done as a favor to accommodate the Democrats. Nancy Pelosi, with the January 6th committee, would not let the Republicans name their own members. She only put two on. Lynn Cheney, who, by the way, has been hired by UVA as a professor. If, if you're on the fence about cheering for Clemson tonight, you're an NC State fan... Uh, I got to tell you, you <laughs> for me, it's go Tigers, not only because of my time at Channel 4, but because Mr. Jefferson's University would hire a liar and a fraudster as a full professor. And of course, crybaby Adam Kinzinger is over there at CNN. And that was a point Brett Hume was making. They could have had all this done without any such hoo-ha. Boy, the Charlotte Disturber never disappoints, does it? It is so radical. It ain't just Democrat. And I know with, the, with McClatchy buying the big papers in North Carolina and with economic hardships, they've now combined the Raleigh Nudes and Disturber with the Charlotte Disturber, at least when it comes to the editorial board. Did you see the thing this morning? NC Congresswoman helps launch hateful GOP legislative attack on trans people. And uh, both the Nudes and Disturber in Raleigh and the Charlotte Disturber going after my old colleague Virginia Fox. What is one of the biggest issues facing our country today, according to North Carolina Congresswoman Virginia Fox? It's young transgender athletes. The U.S. House Committee on Education and the Workforce, chaired by Fox, advanced a bill this week that bans transgender women and girls from competing on school sports teams consistent with their gender identity. The bill, titled the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, would amend Title IX to recognize sex, quote, based solely on a person's reproductive biology and genetics at birth. If a school receiving federal funding allows a transgender student to play for a female sports team, it would be considered a violation of Title IX. Skipping on down, they, they have a quote from Virginia, but here's what I want to get to. After referencing what, uh, what Congresswoman Fox, what Chairwoman Fox had to say, the disturber editorialists continue. That's obviously troubling. Transgender kids deserve the same opportunities as their peers. They deserve to be included, to feel like they're part of something, especially when they aren't hurting anyone. Skip down and it... it, it the, the wokesters at the Disturber ought to be ashamed. And what is Fox protecting people from anyway? That they might finish second instead of first? That they might finish fifth instead of fourth? Fourth? 
Does Fox, a conservative who presumably thinks government should stay out of people's lives, really want to spend her very valuable time on the ribbon that an athlete might not get? Close circuit to the disturber. Were any of you Waldos and Waldoettes, were any of you athletes, whether it's, whether it's Little League or Major College, what do, you, what do you mean to ridicule biological females? It happened with the, with the, uh, the close to 6'6 dope who now claims he's a woman swimming up at Penn, goes in and wins the NCAA Nationals. Ask the, ask the lady who finished second from Kentucky if, if that was fair. It is so, this is just amazing. Not only are inmates running the asylum, but ESPN, which stands for now, expects sports politicized nonstop. ESPN claims it celebrates Title IX, but they're in on this same transgender hoo-ha. Now, to this person's credit, the former Bruce Jenner, the 1976 male decathlon gold medalist at the Olympics says, hey, wait a minute. Or he initially, uh, now Ms. Jenner, I guess she wants to be called, said that, uh, hey, no, you don't want to have biological males competing against biological females in sports. But Title IX apparently is headed straight for file 13. And femininity is now defined as accommodating men who claim they're women. Your call's on this coming up. It's J.D. for Vince. The Carolinas Combo Cast continues on this Friday. JD for Vince, 1 800 928 1110, the number to call. Hanging out in Harrisburg. I don't know if he's in the shadow of the Charlotte Motor Speedway. At any rate, it's Richard. Richard, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think I'm losing my mind here because I see balloons over our country from China. Our border is wide open. They lied about COVID. And now we have the Secretary of State giving out a Women's Courage Award to a man dressed in a dress. And China is preparing for what I believe is war. And this guy, this Secretary of State, has to sit, whether it's North Korea, Iran, China, this guy sits on the other side of the table, and these countries are supposed to respect us? We are, we have an unbelievable problem here that we have Marxists and socialists running our country and they're trying to destroy it on purpose. And everybody listening to my voice, we better get with it. Otherwise, our country is done. Richard, you are absolutely right. You are absolutely right, Richard. You are sounding the alarm. We're going we're gonna to give you a new last name, Richard Revere, as in Paul Revere, because you're sounding the warnings and you're absolutely right. Thanks for the call. Now, what Richard first referred to is this ceremony up at the State Department. Not only was our Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, which tells you what happens at, con at uh, confrontation time, He's Blinken. No truth to the talk that he's from the law firm Winken, Blinken, and Nod. But Tony Blinken there, along with the First Lady, Jill Biden, given out an award to a trans woman who, uh, that's now uh, supposedly the woke way to say, uh, somebody who's essentially a cross-dresser. Aspires to be a woman, but hasn't had the plumbing changed. Meantime, and, and, and you get just something else related that I, I want to bring up. It's in the news. Have, have you seen where the U.S. Army is going back to the B-1 
all all that you can be campaign after all this weird woke hoo-ha after having that pant load silly mark milley up testifying on capitol hill about white nationalism and then taking a meat axe in the name of alleged public health as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, in concert with, I am sorry, a sorry excuse for a commander-in-chief saying, you don't get this COVID shot, you're not going to be able to serve. Well, now they're doubling back. Now they got to have people to serve. And I just, forget comparing silly Mark Milley with Ike. I'll bring it closer to home. Uh, someone I had the benefit of knowing because he grew up in High Point, General Maxwell Thurman. Do you remember General Thurman? He was passed over for Army Chief of Staff, sadly, in the Reagan administration. When Bush 1 was in there, he was the guy in charge of the Caribbean Command that went down there and got that, uh, that narco dictator Noriega out of Panama. Well, among his many duties, Max Thurman, when the Army went all-volunteer, he was asked to, to come in, and, and uh, he got with the big Madison Avenue firms, and he was looking at prospective ads. And he said, look, I want strong, vital troops. I don't want any pencil-neck geeks like me, said Max Thurman. Let me tell you, General Thurman may have been lean of build. But he was a tough, no-nonsense warrior. Those under his command in the wing of the Pentagon that he inhabited, Max had, uh, well, big feet. And in his military dress shoes, or his, with his uniform, I think he had taps added. No, not because he felt like dancing. But he wanted his staff to hear his steps coming down the hall because he wasn't running a cisgender encounter group or I want to join the army to destroy America or I'm here to conduct a race war Max Thurman and yes a fellow state grad was a scholar and a gentleman and a warrior. Silly Mark Milley is an Ivy League educated pant load who is a sorry excuse for Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And he ought to hang his head in disgrace. He ought to resign. And what's more, Somebody better get to Joe Biden because what Richard said is right. The Chinese are preparing for war. Will they only strike Taiwan? If we're lucky. The Chinese provocations are coming fast and furious. And no, don't worry, John Cena. You don't have to go over and, and kowtow to the Chinese and speak Mandarin. I mean, no disrespect. Whatever that kind of garbage was. Man, I yearn for the old days of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. You wouldn't hear any political kowtowing from Brute Bernard, rest his soul. His whole gimmick was walking in a circle. Oh, oh, oh. His whole deal was he'd gotten kicked in the head to the point to where his brains were scrambled so he couldn't speak properly. It was a pretty good bit. But I digress. I'm trying to bring this to you in a humorous fashion. But Richard was right. If he sounded a tad apocalyptic, it's not an overreaction. We, the irony is this movement is called woke. What it induces is a mass coma. And, and uh, Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders of Arkansas, when she was offering the response to Biden's low-rated State of the Union address, when she said, it's not a difference between left and right, 
It's a difference between what we know is right and insanity. The left has lost its collective mind. The Charlotte Disturber with this goofy editorial NC Congresswoman helps launch hateful GOP legislative attack on transgender, on trans people. You know, Bill Clinton used to say this. Uh, what about the people who work hard and play by the rules? Now, he didn't work hard and he didn't play by the rules, but there were a lot of lunch pail Democrats. There were a lot of Southern Democrats who used to think that way. Now it's gone crazy. When we come back, more evidence of the insanity. It's JD for Vince. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing Talk Line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line at 71307. Now, back to Vince. Or in this case, recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth. So you may have heard in this morning's news that the House has voted unanimously to release intelligence as to the, uh, the genesis of, uh, to use the woke term, COVID-19, to use the more accurate term, the Chinese bioweapon developed at the Wuhan lab with help, and it pains me to say this, from a notable physician in the labs and the medical school at UNC Chapel Hill. He, he wasn't alone. Front and center, the, the little capo of contagion, Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci working overtime because, because not only was the the highest paid bureaucrat, but because, because he didn't want his butt in a sling over what he was doing to help China. Kind of interesting the House has done this. Just one cautionary note. This has got to go, go through the Senate. Uh, and on top of that, even if the whole Senate votes unanimously, believe me, Biden and his bunch will figure out a way not to release everything. There's always a catch when it comes to transparency involving intelligence. Speaking of intelligence, an incredibly intelligent physician, Dr. Marty McCary uh, from Johns Hopkins, the guy who told us years ago that this COVID thing was hoo-ha, that the vaccine was, he was skeptical of the vaccine. Uh, within the last 10 days at a congressional hearing, in his testimony, Dr. Marty McCary spelled out what was going on with a little capo of contagion and others basically helping the Chinese by covering up the origins of COVID. Listen to Cut 8B. The reason this is even an issue is that it's embarrassing we funded the lab. If we had not funded the lab, 100% of Americans would say this is obvious, this is a no-brainer. The epicenter of the world is five miles from one of the only high-level virology labs in China. The doctors initially were arrested and forced to sign uh, non-disclosure gag documents. The lab reports have been destroyed. They've not been turned over. The sequences reported from the lab to the NIH database were deleted by a request from Chinese scientists that called over early on and said, delete those sequences we put in the database. And two leading virologists, maybe the two um, top virologists in the United States, Dr. Michael Farzan from Scripps and Dr. Robert Gary from Tulane, told Dr. Fauci on his emergency call in January of 2020 when he was scrambling soon after learning that the NIH was funding the lab, they both said that it was likely from the lab. Well, there you have it. Pretty succinct uh, description of what the little capo of contagion was up to. 
Now, at another hearing, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, Republican of Ohio, encapsulated the same information, perhaps citing the testimony of Marty McCary. But I guess this was yesterday on Your World with Neil Cavuto on Fox. Here came the, the, the now retired highest paid bureaucrat in all of government. What was he holding? He was pulling down 600, six, six large. And the president only makes 400000 which is why all these tax increases that Biden wants stops at $400,000. Uh, yeah, that, that's garbage, too. At any rate, Fauci is just like the rest of the gang, whether it was at 6'8", ethical pygmy James Comey over at the FBI who was involved in all the coordination with Hillary and the crowd to stop Donald Trump and all the fake collusion hoo-ha, Fauci is on with Neil Cavuto, and he, 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 he takes it real easy. He thinks the whole thing's a joke. Listen to Cut 9. I almost have to laugh at that, Neil. I mean, that's totally bizarre. First of all, I wasn't leaning totally strongly one way or the other. I've always kept an open mind. As the data evolved and evolutionary virologists began to look at the data, it looked much more likely that, was a la that it was a natural occurrence from an animal reservoir. I have always kept a completely open mind that it could be one or the other. Quite frankly, the evidence weighs more likely towards one, namely a natural occurrence. But I would be perfectly accepted if there were evidence that it was a lab leak. Hey, Tony, there's the evidence. You just don't want to see it. But you got to give uh, the little uh, minion of concealment credit. He, he wasn't the longest serving uh, bureaucrat in a powerful position for nothing. He understood the way to say, well, we could describe it as six. Some are saying you ought to describe it as half dozen, but I'm going to stick with six. And if you notice, we, <laughs> I have to laugh. Yeah, because, again, he's very crafty. A hit dog would holler. You know, my, my, my medical colleagues must be confused. No, no lawsuits for him. He's not going to go after uh, McCary or the guy who ran the CDC, the dude with the beard who he was, uh, he was criticizing the other day. Because guess what? If he took civil action, he would have to sit for a deposition under oath. Now, he doesn't care in front of Congress. Because he realizes that even if he were brought up on charges of perjury, a, a District of Columbia jury would never take any action against him. <laughs> Much less Merrick Garland, that little worm who's the AG, he ain't going to do anything like that. Speaking of your health care, Paul Gardner, a citizen activist, a retired Army officer, Vietnam vet, graduate, Chapel Hill and the University of Alabama and the War College, the Army War College, has written a column that is showing up in prominent journals and urgent immediate call for state laws and county ordinances. There is an urgent immediate need for specially crafted state laws and, where necessary, county ordinances to protect American citizens from the totalitarian dictates of the International World Health Organization. As early as May of this year, due to a voluntary loss of our sovereignty by the Biden administration, the World Health Authority, who, that's what I said, who will have authority to dictate medical practice and treatments in America under who declared pandemic situations, which we just saw can be manufactured at will by who supporters that include the Chinese Communist Party. Closed circuit to Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson in North Carolina, to my old buddy Governor Henry Dodd and McMasters of South Carolina. Get on this thing. It's JD for Vince. about to conclude our closing few minutes 
Now, if you're listening to us uh, in the Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson area, the upstate of South Carolina, and uh, truth be told, throughout Metroline of Charlotte, there, there are a whole lot of folks who wear orange, and I said at the outset of our time together, yes, despite the heartburn I have from chomping down on humble pie, watching the wolf pack get whipped for the third time this year by the Clemson Tigers. And you know the old saying, here's here's my solace. It, it's what you used to hear around locker rooms, what you hear about uh, in sports casting, and believe me, uh, <laughs> uh, both as a semi-athlete and a semi-literate sportscaster, I've heard it before, it is tough to beat a good team three times in a row. Boy, the Tigers wore out my wolf pack last night. There was NC State cruising along with a nine-point lead about, what, midway through the first half. Then suddenly, the Tigers go on a 13-to-naught run. And, man, those big guys can shoot. Hunter Tyson from Monroe, who crossed the state line to go down to Clemson. Man. I, I tell you what, they've got a good team. Now, the question becomes, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe, and I, I'm sorry, I have not checked the record books, but as I recall from my days on the sports anchor desk at Channel 4 Greenville, the Tigers, despite that great success on the gridiron, have yet to win an Atlantic Coast Conference Basketball Championship. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. What, the semifinals tonight, it's, it's Duke versus Miami. And we're hearing all the smart guys say that Miami's going to win. And Duke has had its ups and downs here in the first year post-Mike Krzyzewski. But still a lot of talent. And then you've got UVA and the Wahoo Waz have, uh, well, they've got to give them credit in recent years. Man, not only winning the ACC, winning the NCAA tournament not too long ago. Becoming national champions in their own right. But this Clemson team. If they play the Cavaliers the way they played my Wolfpack last night, if they can keep that going for two more games, I, I don't see how they lose. I'm not trying to jinx them. I'm just telling you the truth. And if you have reverence for Mr. Jefferson's university, all I can tell you is this. Not only has uh, the school in Charlottesville hired Liz Cheney, not Lynn, I shouldn't pick on her mom, it's Liz Cheney, the ex-Congresswoman and renegade Republican. But I gotta tell you, there, there's a prominent business. That tractor, was it TS Tractor Service? Anyway, it's a thing that wants you to think it's all rural. The guy running it is an NC State grad, but he went to business school, picked up his MBA at UVA. And I was checking their website, and this so-called Rural Community Values Corporation, this NC State UVA-educated CEO is all about the ESG and all about going woke. <sighs> this is getting to be absolutely nutty. Well, you, you, uh, whoever wins the tournament, somebody's going to cut down uh, the nets. You knew I'd sneak an NC State reference in, right? You know who started cutting down nets? The legend you may have forgotten about. NC State coach Everett Case. After winning the old Southern Conference Championship in 1949, Coach Case told his Wolfpack team, get back out there on the floor. 
and they cut down the nets. I do like that feature at the tournament now where each team puts up its decal advancing. The Tigers got to do that last night. We'll see what happens tonight against UVA and in the game before that, of course, Duke and Miami. Now, high school basketball, how about Myers Park? Mercy, the Mustangs playing tomorrow night for the NC uh, 4A championship. Boy, I can remember going down to Myers Park for the great, great um, debate and speech tournaments there. And it was Virginia Sutherland who was there teaching forensics, not forensic science, but debate and speech. And what great memories of going through that program up at High Point Central, dedicated educators like Miss Sutherland down at uh, Myers Park. For Vince Coakley, J.D. Hayworth, stay brave, stay free, stay tuned. Thanks for listening. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.